0: Well, welcome into uh, Longhorn Live post game, Texas football post game. My name is Jerry Hamilton here with Rod Babers. Uh, Bobby Burton under the weather tonight. There's Rod with the hook 'em. No big, it. big, a lot to dive into. Texas wins 34 27 on the road in Manhattan. Huge monkey off the back for Steve Sarkeesian and this team, beating a ranked opponent on the road. No doubt. Six and two opponent on the road coming off a big win. There's so much to dive into, Rod, but let's just start just right off the top. Your general thoughts on what this means for Texas the rest of the season now firmly remain in the hunt to get to the Big 12 title game.
1: Uh, oh, man, it's huge. Um, when you're talking about, you know, if you don't like what people are saying about you, you know, change the conversation, all right? If you don't like what they're saying, change the conversation. I mean, I, I think that's what this team could possibly be uh embarking on right changing the conversation about you know this team having second half collapses not being able to close games out I'm not jumping ahead prematurely there's a lot of work to be done right but uh this is the first win for this team where you know they had the the big lead they had the lead at halftime um and it seemed like K-State of course all right they got a lot of a lot of fortitude there's a lot of grit to that team they fought back but you found a way to win the game. Uh, And you found a way to close out on the road, by the way, on the road. I I won on the road at K-State, man. It is not easy. It was ugly for us, too. I think it took a Marcus Tubbs blocked field goal for us to win on the road at K-State. All right. So a Purple Kryptonite, man, it's not easy to vanquish. All right. That is a a real uh, hard-nosed team. It's a well-coached team. Um, They're usually really disciplined as well even though today was kind of weird uh, in, in a sense but i'm glad they found a way to win i'm not gonna complain about the win because my biggest complaint has been hey man this team needs to find a way to close out games uh when adversity hits adversity hit this team and it looked like you know and we can talk about the second half issues for this team we can get into that but as long as we're talking about it with a win it's all good so i'm gonna give the team credit i'm gonna give J. Coburn that d-line credit i thought that the running game for K-State would be the big issue, especially with Adrian Martinez starting the game. And the rushing game was not the, you know, it was not to me uh, the biggest issue for Texas. Once again, it was more the pass defense, which we'll get to, but the defensive line, um, because they've been a strength for Texas all year long, especially the interior D-line. And I think it was symbolic that Ke'Andre Coburn, in the end yes. comes up with the big play and i thought it was cool too that also early on in that uh drive was it more Ojemo had yeah. the uh strip and they and andre sweat diving down almost hurts himself i'm sure he like, might have might have i don't know bruised a rib or something trying to get it he wanted it so bad we could all see it and that to me that's what i wanted man i want i, I know they yeah. wanted it really bad i knew they wanted to close that game out and i'm glad that the defense got a chance to do it uh, sometimes it could be the offense, but it was a defense that closed off the game, man. And it was Keondre Coburn, a vet, a senior, uh, one of the guys who ha- at one time had to face the adversity. He was on the teams that we've you know, been complaining about and criticizing and that lost to Kansas and all that. And now they I think they, they leave the, the, the whole of college football in pressures right now. right? right. Let's talk about a turnaround in a year. And one of those pressures ends up being a strip on Adrian Martinez late in the game, in clutch time, I'll give him credit, man. That's a hell of a win, a hell of a
0: win. I, so I want to put you back a few years ago when you were a player, okay? Keandre Coburn, uh, you 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 hit the nail on the head. This is where I was going. And people have already commented on this on the live stream. Uh, please click, click that like, subscribe button uh, as well. Um, how much do you think as a player this means for Coburn to make wow. that strip to save that game. Because I, for, as a Texas fan, you have to love that this team left it all in the field. Yep. Exactly. Because if there's, if there's been a complaint about texas football in the last decade decade it's maybe been the entitlement of the players right no which is our greatest weakness but also our greatest strength in texas high school football right mm. we do create some entitlement because everything is so nice and pristine no but I, I, take yourself back as a player what do you, how much do you think that means to coburn because he's been through a lot uh, at texas in his few years here
1: it's strange i was just talking to i was hanging out with derrick johnson jeremy hills and uh, kenny Bicaro. Uh, not too long ago, talking about talking about and trust me when the, when the when the guys get together we talk texas football too right. we, talk, we, we we get the the small talk out of the way how's the family how's this oh that's great all right you know what what's going on with texas all right man let's get into it so we talk texas football all the time man and we talked about how when you get to the point when you're a leader on the team yeah you want the burden of the third and long coming toward you, right? They're picking, they're targeting on you, right? I want them, I want, when the, when the game is on the line, I don't want my teammates burdened with that. I want that on me, all right? I want, I want that moment because I know I'm going to rise to the occasion and not, it's not for a selfish reason. It's really more for, I want to be the guy to make the play for my teammates, all right? I want to be able to take that burden off of them. Yeah. and in that moment, you could see if it KJ Coburn and I could, I really could. I mean, those guys were—you could tell—they were exhausted in that moment. A lot of those guys, and they were especially KJ Coburn. One of the mo- one of the knocks on him early on was he's not an every-down player, right? Remember that? Uh, no, yeah. he's only a guy that can play early downs. You don't want him in there on you know late downs on passing downs. He's totally flipped that narrative, and I think he, in that moment, he wanted it to be. Uh, a play that was uh, uh, on him. He wanted it to be something that he could take the burden off of his teammates and be like, no, no, I'll go make this play for us guys. I'll make this play. I'm the leader here. And I've been telling you guys this, about what the sacrifice is, about the commitment, about what it takes. All right. And about battling adversity. All right. Going through it. Like I went through it last year when people were criticizing him. What a great comments that J. Cobran made early this year. He, and it was, it was funny. Cause he says, you know, hey, man, we, we look really good in the offseason. He said, man, we, we look as good as we've ever looked. And he, right. he pauses. and He stops himself. He says, I know I've said this before, but this time I'm telling you guys, we look really good, and it's as good as we've ever looked. And I think he, he was being sincere. They are as good as they've ever looked. This is one of the best defensive fronts in the country. We wouldn't have been saying that last year. Last year they were one of the worst defensive fronts in the country, and it's largely the same guys. And, and give both Davis credit, but give Kendrick Colburn and the leaders credit. Man, they go five deep in the interior D-line. They got five guys I think that can start. They got Ojemo. They got Colburn. They got, hell, they throw in Sweat in there as well. Byron Murphy's a beast in there. Hell, and then they throw in Collins sometimes inside. As well, and he's gotten better. I know you were a big Alvin yeah. Collins guy waiting on him to have this moment. He hadn't had his moment just yet. But those guys are playing with probably the most consistency of any group on the on the defense right now.
0: Well, and I think that leads into another point, uh, Rod, and I, I'm sure you've covered it for many years on the radio um, in Austin, talking about the Horns is player development. I think in the first time for the first time in a while, for me, for this set of eyes, which is not your set of eyes, we're seeing player development at Texas, and and, and I don't think you go win this game without that player development. Um, the defensive line is better. Jalen Ford is a better player. Um, you're seeing guys develop on both sides of the ball at Texas. And speak to that, kind of what you're seeing in that regard, because I think this is how look coming off five and seven, you don't have a chance to get to eight and four, or nine and three this year without player development in the offseason by the coaching staff. And I think we're seeing that for the first time in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean you just hit the nail on the head. I I think last year Texas was ranked 108th in pressure rate in the country. Yeah. And, and prior to this game, Pro Football Focus says they were the leader in FBS in pressures. Uh, You know, that to me is a it's a you know way to quantify the development. But I think we can see it with the eye test. There's no question. Right. The D line, it plays with a different intensity. They reset the line of scrimmage now. And I know that I think they changed up a lot of the techniques as well. So I'll give the coaches credit. They changed up some of the techniques. It's almost as if they now they stop the run on their way to the quarterback. All right. So just creating havoc, just trying to reset the line of scrimmage, trying to penetrate. And I'll give those guys a ton of credit, man, because I criticized them a lot last year, too. I'll give them a ton of credit. They've done a really good job. And that's where it starts. But Jalen Ford, also another great example of player development. His worst worst game of the season, Jerry, was the first game of the season. That's right. No doubt. That was it. That's probably the only bad game he's had, really.
0: Right, right. Maybe, maybe uh, one drive against Bama. Then he played really well after that. And That's by the way, yeah. Long, we're, you're watching Longhorn live stream. Uh, myself, Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers, uh, Longhorn, great. If you're wondering where Bobby Burton is, no, he's not at Game 6 of the World Series, which is where you would think he would be if he's not here right now. Bobby's under the weather, um, watching – Watch Texas. He'll have a lot of commentary this week when he starts bet. feeling better. And I'm sure he's watching the Strohs too. By the way, you Don Alvarez. in a 450-foot bomb here and there. I think I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a fifth or sixth inning. But the Texas Longhorns win 34-27 over Kansas State. Move to 6-3. and three. More importantly, stay in the race to get to the Big 12 championship game. And here's the big – we got a lot to talk about, Rod, but – Look, I mix in recruiting and football all the time, and you can talk recruiting. Um, there's a lot of things we're going to hit on, but it would have been a tough task for this Texas staff to bring in their big visit weekend against TCU. Mm-hmm. A lot of official visitors, unofficial visitors in 2023 class, 2024 top targets if they were 5-4 and four with the Daubers down and out of the race. Yep. Now this team comes back to Austin to face undefeated TCU. Raise your hand if you had that one entering the season. I know Gary Patterson left them with a very experienced team, uh, but that staff has done a great job getting these kids to really believe and buy in. But now Texas comes home with what should be a really good crowd against a team that Texas has struggled with (laughs) You're on the road and a big chance on the field to make a statement against a team that will be ranked top five in the country next week and from a recruiting perspective so you get to combine it both rod i mean and that, that's it's going to be big we got a lot to talk about about this this game tonight but leading into that TCU game because that's what Texas fans are most excited about after the win is hey we're in the hunt for the Big 12 championship and now you're going to do it with a lot of fan Atlanta, a lot of fans who are excited and recruits in the stands
1: yeah and and i love that you got a chance to exercise some demons Yes, uh, with this game at K State, right? Uh, the road win, which yes. has been haunting. Sorry, he got a big road win versus TCU uh, last year, but it's been haunting him having a true road win. Uh, also, you know, just being able to close out a quality opponent, hell, yeah.
0: a top, uh, hell, a top twenty opponent who just beat Oklahoma State forty eight nothing. I know exactly. Oklahoma State's hit the skids after beating Texas, you know, no after, after they won their Super Bowl, but yeah. still. The Kansas state coach said we played as well as we could last week. So this was a confident team Texas on the road.
1: No question. And, and I know we can talk about the second half woes and we will get to the second half woes of Texas. They Uh, still exist. (laughs) They still exist. Right. Yeah. They haven't exercised that demon, Um, but the first half of Texas was a dominant first half guys. It was, that was probably one of the best first half we've seen from Texas all season long, and it was a dominant one. So the, the, the extra time to prepare, the, the bye week that they had, I, I I think it paid off. I think we saw the benefits of the bye week because I thought Sark had a brilliant play calling uh kind of game plan early on. And I do think in the second half, of course, that's a different story. But in the first half, man, uh that was one of the that's one of the best defenses in the Big 12 behind Iowa State, one of the best defenses in the country. And Texas made them, uh, make quick work of them pretty much in the first half. Man, they look discombobulated, they look shell shocked.
0: They really did not have an answer for Texas in the first half. And Texas missed a few plays, uh, yeah. in the first half, too. Hey, and let's hit on this. Uh, we got so much to talk about again. Texas wins 34 27 on the road in Manhattan. Um, big win for Steve Sarkeesian, big win for the Texas program. But you know, you got to be happy for Sark because look, I mean, that no. You are what your record says you are, right? I mean, Bill Parcells said it best. And you can talk about how things happen, the way games go, bad luck, bad bounces, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, Sark was 1-6 on the road against Power 5 teams heading into today. And two losses very similar this year. Huge win for Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas program. Gives Texas a lot of momentum moving forward. All the goals are now still back in front of him. I want to hit on two things, Rob, before we really dive in more That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. B. John Robinson. Was this his best game as a Texas Longhorn? And here's why I, I'm going to say yes. This was an NFL draft game for him. And yes, Texas won. But he's down to about four college games left. I believe this is, I could be wrong. First time he's carried it 30 times in a game. I might be what wrong. The TCU game last year. TCU last year. That's right. Yeah, he carried. He, he, I think thirty, like thirty four times. That's right. He did. So yeah. two, two road games. Yeah. Arguably his best game. Oh, you're ever. right. That's a
1: great point. So his two road games, that two road games that Sarkis won, he's carried it thirty plus times. Oh, yeah. isn't that
0: something? <laughs> 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 isn't that something?
1: <laughs> I think <laughs> you're right about that. that right Texas about rest that, for two hundred.
0: Yeah. There you see it. Roshan and right. Bijan combined for two hundred and seventy one yards. Uh, Texas had 269 rushing as a team. 6.7 a pop, man. Early in this game, it looked like a counter contest to me. I mean, it was like, who's going to run yeah. counter? Who's going to pull best? Who's going to make contact get into the second level? But your thoughts on Bijan, uh, because I thought this was an NFL draft game for him outside of the Texas win. He really shows some toughness in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also, yeah, and Bijan did have 35 carries in that new right. game last year. That's a good year. call.
0: That's a good, great call. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so his two the two road wins for Sark, he, yep. he put some Bijan on it. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, but no man, he is he's special. I think whether well, you said Mel Kuiper had Mel Kuiper had him as like his uh seventh overall prospect, yeah. number one running back. Uh he, he is man, he's built different. We all know that. And I agree with you, he showcased uh a lot of his different uh abilities as a rusher in this game. Um, you know, he's got the jump cut. You know, he's got the ability to cut it back. He's got the burst. He can separate. He's got the vision. There's really nothing he can't do at running back. And I, I you know, I still really don't think we've seen, you know, the, 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 the best of Bijan. I was talking to some other guy, you know, Derek Johnson, about him. We all agree, like, Bijan's going to be better at the NFL level than he is now, which okay, is okay. scary. Because he's going to have, I, you know, I think you have just better players around him. Not that Texas doesn't have great players, but it's the NFL. And right. I think Bijan, if he's drafted, especially with, oh man, if he drops in the first round somewhere and ends up with a, a playoff team somehow, like a Andy Reid or somehow or somewhere, even with the Eagles now with Nick Sirianni, that could be scary. But getting back to it, I digress. It's pretty simple if you're Sark and you're blessed if you're Sark because the answer to the test is always give it to Bijan, all right? It's an open book test for you. If if the offensive line's not having a good day or Quinn yours is off or the wide receivers are not having a good day, which has all kind of happened for Texas here, even in this season, just give it to Bijan. He's that special. Well, you really can't just ride him. And we haven't really had anybody like that in a while. I mean, you know Deontay Foreman is special. Hell, look what he's doing in the NFL. We've had some really special backs even here recently. You know Jamal Charles; those guys are special. He's he's in that upper echelon, man. You compare him to the goats, uh, and I'm with you. I I I, I like when Sark showcases him as receiver. You know more talking about how NFL scouts fall in love with him. You talking about how when he lines up in empty formation in the slot and then is able to run you know, a skinny post and make a one-handed catch. <laughs> That's what I think NFL scouts are salivating right. themselves. This guy's Alvin. He can do what kind of an Alvin Kamara can do. Yes, he can absolutely. Do what Christian McCaffrey can do. Yes. He's a positionless football player. I love that term. And that, that to me, I think is a future
0: and he's, he's the future, man. And one, so here's another one I want to hit on because it's not the stats. Okay. Let, let's look at Quinn Ewers tonight. 18 to 31, 197, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, so the stat line pretty good. But I'll tell you what I saw tonight that I think is going to really help Quinn w- with three regular season games to go. He got driven into the ground on his left shoulder. I saw that, and he didn't get up for a second. And I know every Texas fans are like, "Oh no, here we go again." But I thought Quinn took some key hits tonight and had to get up and he showed some toughness, and I think we already knew he was a tough guy, but getting up, taking those hits, getting up and going to the next play, I think does a lot for him the last three games of the year. I don't know what you think, but I think it's important for a guy, quarterback coming off an injury, to almost have that same hit again and get up and know you're okay, especially if it happens early in a game, not really late in the fourth quarter, but get up. Off the field, get up off the mat and know you're okay and go on to the next play. I think that's really gonna help Quinn uh the last quarter of the regular season.
1: And I think I remember one of the hits you're talking about, at least the NUDK one. Oh one hit him. Oh man, I saw it. And I was like, <gasps>
0: yep. and I asked my wife, I was like, is he okay? Because I he 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 kind of yeah. and he, he started well, and he was holding it for a while after every yeah. start, but he played through it, right? Yeah. I mean that's gonna it really benefit Quinn moving forward. No, I'm with you. I
1: remember it, I, I, it came straight to my head when you talked when you talked about it. And and the mental toughness, right? You're coming yeah. off, he's coming off really one of the worst games we've ever seen from a Texas quarterback play on the road versus Oklahoma State. Um, battling through that too, and, and knowing that's just as part of the growing pains. And I think Sark hill, I think was, was it the first play in the game was a deep bomb yes for Sark. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Sark's a big game hunter, man. Yeah, yes, he is. People, he's a big game hunter. He does not like s- a small game. He don't want the dove and the pheasants and the quail, man. He wants big game, and he don't give a damn if they the take him what the defense gives him. That's not really Sark's
0: style. Sark's going to throw it deep in the blizzard in Green Bay, okay? I mean Let's get real. That ball's going down the field.
1: <laughs> Especially with Quinn, right? He's got that yeah. special arm talent. Yep. And Sark is like, hey, having a Lamborghini and not one to you know, drive at 120 every now and then. That's how he is with Quinn. So I, I, I get it. But I like the fact that he bounced back after a bad game. And I'm glad that it was just a bad game, which every player has had in their career. It's not something that's going to define him. On the road and on the road, once again, was able to battle adversity. He seemed calm, he seemed confident, and you I like that Sark threw it early, basically saying, Hey man, you're my guy. Yes, <laughs> hey, that's why I stuck with you in the game. I wasn't going with Hudson Card, even though some people thought, Hey man, that might be the way to get a win. Hey, maybe it was the way to get a win. But Sark's telling him, No, Quinn, you're my guy, you're the guy. All right, you're the you, right now, you're my guy. You're the you're QB1 for the program. And I think that's the way to inf- he's a quarterback, a way to infuse confidence in a guy who had a really bad game. And Sark knows how to come back for that. And I thought he came back from it really well on the road. But once again, Sark was smart. Man, don't put too much of a burden on a young Queen US right now. Put some Bijan on it, ride yep. Bijan. He just rode Bijan. Hell, even Rojo. I mean, Rojo didn't, I think Rojo had what seven rushes, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah man I, that's that's the way to go on the road man that's right yeah. now that's your best leader and that's your best player go
0: that's and, and look I think this is key not to dig too much into TCU next week but I think this was key heading into that game because I think Texas can run the ball in TCU next week I, I think they I, I think they have a chance to rush for 200 plus in that game so I I, I like what did you see from the offensive line because the one thing that with the offensive line, you knew they were going to get better all season, but they've had continuity all year, save Hayden Connor being out for a few plays, right, maybe one series. Mm-hmm. They've been healthy all season. What have you seen improvement-wise and kind of what are you seeing from those guys right now as they're really starting to gel as a group?
1: Yeah, I think you're starting to see, you know, more interior runs too by Texas and starting to break some of those. Like we didn't see, uh, you know, Texas loved the outside zone. That was kind of their bread and butter early on with Bijan. Now I'm seeing a little bit more diverse, di- diversity with the run game. You saw the counter, right, obviously open up yep. last week. And even going into this game, and I think Texas saw it too, one of the vulnerabilities for K-State, they were they were giving up like seven, almost seven yards per rush through the A-gap. Hell, TCU ate them alive yep. uh, in the interior runs through the A-gap. And Texas started hitting them early on inside. Uh, with those interior runs. And I think that's ca- kind of the diversity that, that Texas should open up with. And I know Texas doesn't use a lot of you know Rojo and Keelan in the running game, but I think that's something they still um really have just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg with. I, Bijan's gonna get his, and I agree, man. Bijan, ride Bijan, and when he especially when you're on the road, but man, when Keelan Robinson touches the ball. Did you see the the one? I think it's the one rush that he oh yeah the one run that he had where Oh man, I can't even. It's 21 personnel, hard to describe it, where they have the, the the misdirection in the backfield, the split flow. Beautiful. That's one of those plays where you just see Sark's beautiful mind. Right. And everybody goes, Oh, right. it is. It's exactly. it's and I, I would like to see more of that in the running game with some of the other guys because Bijan, you don't need scheme for Bijan. You can go pretty much meat and potatoes running game with Bijan and get his. I like when he mixes in some of the other guys in the running game, especially with Keelan Robinson, because I, I'm with you. I think Texas now with the, with the O-line, even going back to the Iowa State game, how they sealed that game, Jerry, they can run the ball, man. Yes, They, really, they can run the – those are two best defenses in the Big 12, and Texas now proving they can run the rock on both of them. So I'm with you. On TCU,
0: they should be able to run the rock. Yeah, and and, and let's – uh. We got a lot to dive into, but let's. Texas fans are really excited. We're going to talk about the good and the bad out of this game because there is uh, good and bad. Uh, but main thing here is Texas wins thirty-four twenty-seven over Kansas State on the road, stays in the hunt to get to the Big Twelve championship game. Mm-hmm. It looks like if you're going to get to the Big Twelve championship game, you're going to play TCU twice, right? I mean, and, and right. you're going to do it within a month of. Hey, each, uh, and you uh, got Gary Patterson. Hey, oh, that you hire think? is huge now. You think, I, 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 hey, how jacked up do you think Gary is right now headed into bro. next week? I mean, it's oh a big man. week for Gary now, bro. That is that
1: hire right now is it's probably it looms as big as it's ever. And I mean, it's been big, but if you end up having to meet them again in the Big 12 title game, talk about return on investment.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna run down some team stats right now, just game stats uh, first downs, K State 25, Texas 22. Total yards, Texas 466, Kansas State 468. 329 passing for Adrian Martinez. Quinn Ewers 18-31 for 197, no turnovers, two touchdowns. Rushing Texas 40 carries, 269 yards, 6.7 a pop. Kansas State held to 139, rushing on 35 attempts, four yards a pop. Texas, a lot of pre-snap penalties. I'm Rod, I'm going to let you get into that after I'm done with the stats here. Seven oh, wow. penalties, 45 yards for Texas, nine for 85 Kansas State. Uh, two turnovers apiece, two fumbles lost by Texas. Obviously, fumble lost and interception. Uh, Jalen Ford, big interception there at the end of the first half, which I thought that te- touchdown at the end of the first half was huge to go up 31 10. It was. Um, but your takeaways on the pre snap penalties, because both teams had a lot of pre snap penalties in this game on the offensive lines.
1: Yeah, it was. And it was strange, right? Because in the first half, I want to say there were very few penalties what was it, like four four yep. or five penalties, maybe even between both teams in the first half. I thought the refs, uh, I'm not going conspiracy theory, grassy. No guys, I'm not going there. Right. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Mac Brown guy. When it comes to officiating players, play coaches, coach officials, officiate. I usually don't get into it, uh, but I'm all about just being consistent. I don't give a damn how you call the game. You can call it tight. You can call it loose. You can let them play whatever. Just be consistent, so the right. players can adapt their style of play to whatever's going on. And I would say that the officials did change their their whatever their officiating overall like technique or whatever they were looking for. It seems like they changed up how they call the game. But the pre snap penalties for Texas, it's something that's been creeping up lately. One of the things we really liked about Sark was that you didn't have a lot of penalties early on in his regime. Guys seemed pretty disciplined. Um, and now you're getting more and more pre-snap penalties, especially on the offensive line, and, and you know it's it's setting them back behind the chains early on, which is something you don't want, especially for a team that wants to run the ball. Like Clark's team wants to run the ball, so I, yeah, for for Texas, that's something they got to fix. I don't, I don't really know exactly what it is, other than focus or lack thereof for Texas. Um, That's something they could easily clean up, man. And I I you know I hate to get on the guys, obviously after a win, about something like that, but that's going to come back to haunt you versus the team like TCU being behind the chains like that. And, you know, the pre-snap penalties, this game we had a big lead, so it didn't ultimately become, you know, something that was a big issue, but against Oklahoma state, we all remember, I'm not saying that Oklahoma state didn't have the advantage of some home cooking, but still a lot of those same penalties, man, basically, even Mike Gundy said that won the game for him.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. No doubt. Hey, and you're starting to see, we've wondered, When a one of the freshman receivers would step up, right, maybe Brennan Thompson had a nice little he's more of a catch and run receiver, right? You get the ball in his hands and you saw last week he is the fastest wide receiver in the program um, once he gets going. But this is the first game that Savion Red really looked like, Okay, one, he could end up being your third wide receiver because that position really hasn't panned out this year. Um, and two, yeah. he showed you enough tonight to say, okay, could this guy fit into Jordan Whittington's role next year? Because it's such a key role. Um I, yeah, I, I you know I, I didn't what was that? Season? He got his
1: second catch uh right. of the season. Uh two tonight. Catches for 20 tonight. Yeah, then his second and his third catch. Um, I, I think he could. I think for Sark, you know, Sark likes to funnel his usage to, to just a you know a a, just a, a really select number of guys. Like He doesn't like to spread it out. He's not a spread out the ball kind of guy. This right. is actually a rare game for him where you see a lot of guys getting the football. Um, usually he doesn't like to spread it out so much. I do think that the third wide receiver has been kind of a question mark all year. We thought it was going to be Casey Kane. Turns out it's not him. And now you're seeing Savion Red, they're bringing in Brendan Thompson. Maybe he can be that guy. Honestly, the the way that Sark loves his tight ends, you know, last year he ran tight, he ran 12 personnel around 40% of the time. And this year it's it's less, it's you know, probably hovering around, I don't know, maybe 30% of the time, probably because he's running a lot of more two-tailback sets or more multi-back sets, right. yes. more than he ran last year. The truth is, I think Sark with with Sanders ascent. Honestly, I think he'd rather Jatavian Sanders be that guy. I think Jatavian Sanders is your third wide receiver, basically. And I know it's not essentially what you know we're we're getting into, but if you start looking at it, I think ultimately that's your third wide receiver. He's look at some of the things he schemed up for J.T. Sanders. No in this doubt. Game, no right? doubt. He got, he got him at the, he went one time formation first. I think mean, it was the first down formation into the boundary trips into the boundary, yeah. nub tight end with JT Sanders, runs just a, a deep corner out and ends up getting, the, it was a beautiful throw by Quinn. I mean, just right on the money. Boom. I honestly, I think that's going to end up being the the third wide receiver behind obviously X-Man being schemed up and J J Witt in the slot. But I think it's JT, man. So I think it's, it's not as much of a concern as it normally would be because JT Sanders is just that good. If he wasn't, if his upside wasn't so high, then yeah, we would be having a more serious discussion about that third wide receiver. It's him. He's, you got to scheme him into the third wide receiver spot, man. He's that good. It's almost like, like, like Bijan. He's, he's not Bijan-esque, but how good Bijan is as a receiver you almost just kind of scheme him into the third wide receiver spot, which Sark has been
0: doing basically yeah. for the last two years. Well, and we've talked about it on prior shows. It's 1A, B, and C. It's Worthy Sanders Whittington. Um, yeah. and, and that's really what it is. And it. let's talk about Jatavion Sanders because you wanted to hit on him, and I think it's a great time to hit on Jatavion Sanders. And I'm going to be the first guy to say he's better than I thought he was going to be as a guy who's been involved in national player rankings. Um, you know, he was a tough guy from evaluation standpoint because he – he played edge rusher, but he played so much offense, but he played wide So he played split out. So you never saw the guy really play unless you were early in a football game at full tilt, you'll say, you know, with full energy because the guy played 80, 90 snaps a game. and He's a big kid. So he's better than I thought he was going to be as a tight end. Again, player development. Jeff, yep. Banks, I think, is a hell of a coach. Special teams and tight ends, right? Um, I think he's a hell of a football coach for Texas, a great hire by Steve Sarkeesian and a guy that I heard behind the scenes that Nick Saban did not want to lose when Sark came to Texas, Texas with Jeff Banks. So talk about Jatavion. Look, I mean, David Thomas will always be an underrated player at Texas for me, an underrated football player. Jermichael Finley was an insanely talented player, right? We're starting to see Sanders creep into these conversations with some of the tight ends we've seen at Texas in the last 20 years. How good do you think he is now, Rod? How good do you think he can be? I came
1: in with a freak too, man. My man Bo Scaife before he now like, yeah before he, the
0: injuries Oh, yes. uh, man
1: he's one and he still ended up playing I don't know yeah. seven eight years in the league. I mean he's one of them guys too. Um, I, you know he's I believe the future of football. I think I've said this before is positionless football. Correct, and you want to find as many hybrid players as you can, guys who you can move around the chessboard. Um, you know, my man Shando is a big fan of it. Look, go look at his offense: Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, Kittle—all guys you can you can move around the chessboard. Um, that's I, I think that's the future of football. JT, Jt Sanders is one of those guys. I mean, it, and I, I I'm I'm really shocked at how much he's progressed as a blocker because I heard it was gonna take him a couple years to become a competent blocker. Hell, man, they use him more. <laughs> they use him a ton in their run blocking schemes. And sometimes they keep them in. It's just a pass blocker, Yes, which I'm also a little surprised by. So I'll give uh, Jeff Banks a lot of credit for that, but I love the way they can put them in, in H back form at times. You can put them flex. You can put them as a traditional inline tight end. Hell they can put them out wide and run slant routes with them. They can put them in a slide. He makes you multi-dimensional. He, He combines the the pro elements of Sark's offense
0: with a lot of the spread concepts. He can combine them. Well, Rod, isn't that what makes him a big time NFL prospect? uh, To me, that he can process everything and that you can use him in so many ways. And he's good in your scheme. Anywhere you can put him, he has an understanding and he processes everything you're teaching. Him. Doesn't that make him even a higher level prospect at the next level? Totally agree.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I I, I, and like I said, I think coaches understand at the next level. That makes him a weapon. Yes. That makes him a guy that doesn't need to leave the field at any point. I could always. And he's a matchup nightmare. because <laughs> unless you're putting a db on him all the time which you can't afford to do in today's modern football he's a matchup nightmare for safeties and for linebackers
0: yeah yeah absolutely and 39 catches 450 yards now nine games for just sanders so wow. headed to all big 12 first team honors I, I it looks like he's headed there and he'll probably get some mention in some honorable mention all-American teams, and he deserves all of it.
1: Last time we had a forty-catch tight end at Texas.
0: We, it, I mean, we that's, it, that's a good question. David I, I,
1: Thomas, David Thomas, both I, gave. I
0: would kind of, think. I would think. It Michael happened. Finley probably did it. Michael, Jamichael Finley probably. He did might it. have in his one year as a starter. He might have. Right. He um, might have done. Yeah. Again, you're listening to On Texas Football post game. My name is Jerry Hamilton with Inside Texas and the great Rod Babers. Uh, Well, Longhorn, great. Uh, One of the top radio guys for me going in the country talking college football. Okay, everything's not great, right? I mean, we can sit here and high five, right? It's still games. There's still big games left. You're talking TCU at Kansas Baylor. Um, Big win for Sark. I think it gets the monkey off the back for Sark and the Texas team. But, again, their second-half struggle scoring the football. Three points but you got to win, right? So we can't say everything's great. It's every this is still a work in progress. This is a program that got over the hump tonight, but it's still a work in progress. You're still building, trying to get to that 8 and 4, yep. 9 and 3 mark this year. So what do you make of the continued offensive struggles in the second half because that's kind of the next step for Sarkis. Get 30 in the first half and go put up 21 in the second.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, like like I said, he he exercised some demons tonight, but that's still one that haunts him. And, you know, for me, like I said, I I think Sark needs to get creative. It's really strange now. And one time is an outlier, right? Two, maybe, you know, that's coincidence. But, you know, three times, that's a a trend. Four times the pattern, five to six times. We're talking about a habit here, and this is something for Sark. He's got to seriously examine and I think he needs to consider, you know, I, I don't know what the process is behind the scenes. So I, maybe this is already happening. So I I don't know. This is just me spitballing. You know, you got Gary Patterson there great, and you got PK there, defense, great defensive minds. I don't know what happens behind the scenes, but I wonder how often, you know, Sark has those guys kind of reverse engineer his game plans, right? And, and, you know, tell him essentially how they would, adjust to his game plans that's what happened we're talking about sark winning the battle of game plan winning the battle of preparation his teams the battle of game plan and preparation that's nobody really that can touch sark staff right now in the big 12 they're unbelievable when it comes to game plan and preparation but the battle of adjustments the chess match within the game that happens in halftime third quarter in the fourth quarter i think they're losing that now they found a way to win the game but still i think they're losing that part of the game and I would I would encourage him. Hey, man, ask Gary Patterson or PK reverse engineer the game plans and preparation that you have, and even have Sark almost come up with the counters beforehand that he has for whatever the adjustments are going to be. I haven't been back and watched the game yet. I'll go back and watch it and see exactly what K State did to you know counter exactly what Sark was doing. But a lot of the times, man, they just kind of sold out to stop the run in yep. on money downs on crucial downs yep. where they figured, hey, Sark's gonna. He's going to hand it to Bijan, which he did, and I don't blame him for that. No, I don't either. I like to see it. Exactly, right? I'm not blaming him for that either. Hey, man, right. I, my guy versus your guy, I understand it. But when they go nine guys in the box to stop it, they got a good chance of stopping it. So it may have just been really good adjustments by, by K-State, so I'm not all going to pour that on Sark because the first half was unbelievable. But it is a, it is pretty much now part of Sark's you know, football narrative that right. – Hey, man, he doesn't adjust well in the second half. It's definitely something he can fix. But I, like I said, I would encourage him to come up with the counters beforehand, and you can do that because you got great defensive minds, and they're probably going to be thinking along the same lines as your opponent in that chess match. That's something you can do. I, I know something else that's kind of outside the box, and maybe it's crazy. You know, you got the, the script, and I haven't went back and looked at how many points they scored off the 20, was it 25 plays or 20 plays Sark does for his script or whatever it is. Um, and I almost wonder if Sart can, you know, let somebody else call his plays, the scripted plays, have him get ready to adjust after that, and then he can start calling plays after that and let someone else like, you know, Kyle Flood or Brendan Marion call the scripted plays. Like, I don't know exactly what you need to do. I'm not right. saying I know, all right, right? I'm a football guy too. He's a smart football man, and he obviously hasn't figured it out either. Um, but it is concerning. It's concerning because TCU – is a second half team. That's right. That's what they do. Yes, they, they've been they've been down in the first half almost what half the half the games they played this year in the Big Twelve easily, and yes. they come back to find a way to win. So I that's my concern going to TCU game.
0: By the way, thank you uh, for uh, that that subscriber it just said LSU beats Alabama on a two point conversion. So whoa, look, I wow. mean. This is what makes college football interesting to me. We're going to get back to Texas in a sec, Rob, but I'd love your opinion on this. Brian Kelly wasn't a fit at LSU, but that guy's a damn good football coach. And anybody that didn't think he was needs their head examined. He just got over the hump in a big way in year one. Look, they had the debacle against FSU and special teams, right? Else there's now that right now they'd be sitting in a prime position uh, to make a playoff maybe, but, he just got a statement win in year 1 beating Nick Saban and probably should knock Alabama out of the SEC title game by the way. Um, so talk about you know talk about that Brian Kelly look because otherwise it was a perfect day for Texas. Texas wins, AM loses again, five straight. Oklahoma loses to Baylor. Otherwise so it's a perfect day for Texas fans. Texas wins, recruiting should be really good. Your 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 key rivals lost now LSU comes through and beats Alabama. Yeah. Uh, so, so talk about that. I mean, a guy like Brian Kelly may not be the right, the best fit at LSU, but they couldn't have hired a better coach than him.
1: Yeah, and you know LSU always has talent, right? That's right. That's and right. his <laughs> talent was scary. You, you know they got tons of talent, and you know the key is though, because I remember watching it was at that, that Florida State game. Oh uh, man, that was exactly right. That to them, that was their starting point as as, as a as a program. Under Brian Kelly, they're getting better week to week. The key to the drill, to borrow Sark's phrase, right, is week to week improvement. Yeah. And I mean, I remember, hell, I remember we uh, struggling in early non conference games when I was a player. People saying, you should have beat North Texas by this much, or right. you know, losing early on in a non conference game, but still finishing as a team that, you know, won, won double digit games, right? It's about getting better week to week. The problem that I think a lot of Lohan fans had with Texas was. It wasn't week-to-week improvement, right? It was sporadic. It was all over the yeah. place. You know, it was like, oh, great game versus Bama. And and I, I think we all agree now, should have beat Bama, right? Yes. Can we be upset about the Bama loss now? Can we it's stop easy. celebrating the Bama loss? Can uh-huh. we now be like, you know what? That's it. We, Texas lost that damn game. They should have beat Bama, yeah. all right? That's where I think that the standard should be higher. It shouldn't have been like, man, I'm glad they played with Bama down to the wire. No, should have beat Bama because Bama is not the team we thought they were going to be. No. And,
0: really.
1: yeah, and after that, you end up losing at Tech, and then you end up coming back, players only meeting, beating the hell out of West Virginia, who, hell, they beat West Virginia so bad, I was questioning whether West Virginia was the worst team in the Big 12. Right. Remember, that's when Kansas was still balling out. We didn't know what was going on in the Big 12 at the time. And, hell, who still knows? I still don't Who's the worst team in the Big 12?
0: I think it is West Virginia after Iowa State. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> After all is said and done I think, I, think, I think that's I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're accurate on that for sure. Right. because oh, I man. never saw Iowa State as the worst team in the big 12 this year. Yeah. I think no way, they're too well coached. I that's mean right, I, you, know, Josh, you know I just didn't see them. that happen. Yeah
1: yeah, yeah. but it's, that's my point though is to I think what Longwind fans want to see is them build on you know week to week improvement and and this is a, a game that I think Longhorn fans want to see Texas build on and get better they don't want to see the regression and i think that's what we've seen week to week it hasn't been something you can count on longland fans don't trust this team i've talked to them i've right. hung out with them at remotes and i've talked to them uh at you know pre-game uh watch parties and all stuff and stuff they they don't trust this team they love this team they're like you know it's, it's almost like when you love somebody that's cheated on you Or or your kids who are just being, you know, little a-holes and you can't trust them. You love them. You love them so much, but you can't trust them. Right.
0: That's how Longhorn fans feel about this team. They just can't trust them. So, hey, that's a great point, Rod. And let's get into that. I've had eight and four all year long as as the record circled in the regular season. And and I say this for, you know me, I combine the football and recruiting. And by the way, JV and Toviano, one of the top prospects for Texas on the board, was at LSU again today. So for Texas fans wondering about that, he's probably celebrating with LSU in the locker room right now. But let's talk about, so Texas is now six and three. They should get to eight and four. I mean, they should win two of the last three games. Um what are you like me that three wins is kind of a big and people are like well seven and five eight and three three wins is a big deal from going from year one to year two that makes it hard and you've been through the recruiting process and you followed enough to know it makes it hard for people to come in and kind of negative recruit against you and say you're not headed in the right direction of the program if you were seven and five and limped home and didn't look good People could say, well, yeah, we don't know if Sark's going to make it at Texas for the people recruiting against you, right? But if he can get to eight and four this year, I think it changes the narrative. And I think it really changes the national perception headed into next year. So you could go into the spring as a team that everybody's talking about. Quinn Ewers, yes, they lose Bijan and some guys, but Quinn Ewers is back, Xavier Worthy. Jatavion Sanders, young running backs, all uh, probably another top six, seven recruiting class. So mm-hmm. is eight and four kind of the number you've targeted to just from all from that standpoint of, hey, it cuts out the talk? Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you.
1: I, eight and four was the number that I had. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I still think, hell, they could end up being better or worse than eight and four. Still can go either way, but I'm glad they're on track still for the eight yeah. and four. And I'm with you. If you wanted to, You know, criticize Texas for not being a team that's uh, right now with a a positive football culture, with a team that's not on the right trajectory. Uh, I think if you get to eight and four, that's something that's nullified. You don't have to really worry about that at all. You got still the arch, you know, I'm still buzzing from the Arch Manning commitment, and I still think that's a big part of the totality all right, of Sark's vision for the program and where it's going, that you sold that vision to the Manning family uh, and that they still remain committed to that vision. I think you actually get a boost in recruiting if you're at eight and four, because think about what they did after five and seven. Like I was surprised that Sark was able to do what he did in terms of recruiting and having to conjure the type of momentum he did after five and seven. It shows you the type of, you know, coaches that they have. And I love the fact he brought in some young energy, vibrant energy with guys like the short choice and Brendan Marion. I thought that was important. Um, and I think that's going to pay some dividends in recruiting as well. So I'm with you. I think, you know, eight and four was where we had. Well, if you can get to the big 12 title game, um, that means you're probably to be, you know, you got to be, you know, right there, nine and three probably to be in the big, you can't lose any more big 12 games
0: if you're going to make it to the Big 12 title game. You gotta hey, be- by the way, for anybody not watching, Houston Astros just won the World Series. Woo! Anthony Baker finally gets his ring. There you go. Uh, Astros World Series champion, second Oof. time, second title in franchise history. Um, so, love it, Rod, I, I, I want your – so you were saying you, you were sitting with Derek Johnson earlier, right? Yeah. Kenny Bacar, some of those guys. What is – and I think Texas fans would love to hear this. What is the overall vibe around the program right now from you guys that played um and played really at a high level at, at, at Texas and then on in the NFL? Do people – do you guys, the guys you talk to, do they, do they see the positive? Do they see some ascension in the program? Because it's not – they're fans too now, right? They I mean, you, you guys yeah, are man. close to the program, but y'all are still fans now. You have – Young kids that you're going to be bringing. JerMichael Finley's bringing the camps right at Texas. Yeah, yeah. What are the guys that you, you hang out with? What is their thoughts on the program right now? Because I think Texas fans would love to hear it.
1: Yeah, no, they uh, they love Sark. Um, everybody loves Sark. Man, I think Sark's doing a good, a really good job of forming a kind of bringing the family back together, uh, forming that camaraderie, that continuity. Within the uh, the Longhorn family, that means the guys away from the program that have already graduated too, because they you know he allows them to come back to the program and uh, fellowship with the guys. But he, we're still waiting on those guys to take full ownership of the team. That's why they they all love the players only meeting. Everybody loves the players only meeting. And strange if I remember talking to the guys about they're uh, you know, the loss at Oklahoma State and you know when this team is going to get over that hump. And it's strange enough because it came actually. I got a text from him uh, right while we were getting on air here. And um, they were like, Jeremy he was like, I told you to come down to four or five plays, right? Yep. Four or five yep. plays. You he said, as a player, you know it at the time, <clears throat> you have that sixth sense about it. And he said, in retrospect, looking back, you go, damn man, that was the play. That was winning time. Like that was the play. That was the time it was for I worked all that time, all that preparation, all that hard work. And we went through, you know, three quarters of battling it out, fighting it out, and it came down to those one or two plays. If we'd have made those one or two plays, we'd have we'd have won the game. And I keep thinking about Tavandre Sweat. Yes, I've been on that ball, you know, just giving all he got. I mean, I can say that he probably broke a rib or bruised a rib, man, trying to get it. He gave everything he had, and then a couple of plays later, the like, hell, I don't even know, maybe. Maybe the next play, but a couple of plays later, Keon J. Coburn ends up coming up with a big play with the strip too. And I just thought about one man, Jeremy Hill said, like, no, man, it may come down one or two plays. And unfortunately for Texas, they ain't been making them plays. Their opponent's been making them plays down in clutch time. They call it They call it clutch time in the NBA. That's right. right. But it it held, man. Football's got it too. There's clutch time. You guys, you know what I mean? you got to make a play or they're going to make a play. And this game, a lot of low fans talking about how it kept them on the edge of their seats. And, oh, uh, man, they're exhausted after watching that game. Um, uh, But I, if you're in Texas, that's why it was such a growth, a moment of growth and maturity. Yes, 100%. You had, you, you had failed to make the crucial plays in winning time prior to that, especially on the road. And even though, yeah, we're talking about the second-half woes and them not scoring enough points, but in, in clutch time, they found a way to make that play. And that's what, they, that's, what, that's what we've been talking about. That's the big discussion behind the scenes. Who the hell is going to step up and make that play? Because when I played, I wanted it to be me. Yes. Right? I, I wanted to make that play in the Oklahoma game. I wanted to make that play in the Oklahoma State game. I wanted it to be me. And all those guys, Derek Johnson came across. Was like, no, I wanted it to be me. We all felt the same. That's when you become that dude. That's when you become a guy. That's yeah. when you become that dude, right? As a, he is him right now. No, no, that's when you become that dude. So, no, it's going to be me. Jeremy Pena is doing it in the World Series. Like, no, it's yeah. going to be me. Who, who's going to yeah, make absolutely. the play? <laughs> I'm going to make the play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, and I think that uh, KMJ Colbert had one of the moments. Hell, Jalen Ford had one of those moments in the Iowa State game. You know, Anthony Cook, you, know, you got to have that moment. It's like, no, who's going to make the play? No, quit waiting on somebody else to make the damn He'll play. Make the play. You go make the play. Go make the play. It's your play. It's your moment. Go make the play. Yep. And that's the growth, man. I'm seeing seeing more. You need to have 11 guys that believe that and think like that across the board. And you're starting to see – I'm starting to see more of that. And I didn't see that last year. I didn't see it the
0: year before that either. Um, We're going to – let's talk TCU for the last 10 minutes of the show Um, because we could talk about Texas' struggles in zone defense. Uh, coverage on defense yeah. and you can mix that in because I want you to address that we'll get into that what how do you think what are your thoughts on TCU um obviously the 9-0 and 0 ranked top five coming up in the new poll I mean we get it all but what are your thoughts on TCU and how do you think Texas can have success against TCU because I think Texas fans have probably already turned the page and now they're getting excited for TCU right it be. I mean they don't have the 24-hour rule. I'm sure on Inside Texas it talks about the TCU game mm-hmm. right now, beating 9-0 TCU. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on TCU? Uh, by the way, if you're Quinn Ewers, I'd be nervous because they knock out every starting quarterback. <laughs> <this> year, everybody. <laughs> so, I, I, <laughs> I better have a good week of prep. But what are your thoughts on TCU and how Texas can have success?
1: Uh, I, first of all, I, I, Quentin, Quentin Johnson is going to be a problem. A uh,
0: problem.
1: Um, and I know he had some injury issues a lot this past game. So I don't, haven't been kept up, uh, obviously up to date on that, but he is, he's an issue. You need to know where he is at all times on all downs. Um, so for PK and GP, they had to get to, and GP can give you the, Hey man, this is, this GP's week, baby. This is why you brought him in. We need that, we need that scouting report on every player, I need the weakness, the tendencies. I oh man, everybody should be getting a really thick scouting report on every player from GP. You yes. should know it inside and out. Uh, so that I think is going to be a huge advantage. But first of all, you got to worry about that guy. The what they're gonna they're gonna and Max Duggan has done a great job this year too. So you got to worry about obviously the dual threat element, the plus one uh, in the running game with the quarterback positions because that also can be a problem. But what I'm worried about, in K-State did a really good job of capitalizing on it. Texas plays a lot of match-up zone, like pattern-match zone, mm-hmm. uh, they, when they play cover four. What that yep. basically means is once a guy is in your zone, declares in your zone, you match up with him as a man, he becomes your man. And when teams essentially do uh, late switch routes or crossing routes late into uh, they're obviously uh, the route, uh the route uh, uh breakdown into the route combination, whatever it may be. It's really tough for DBs to be able to either pass those routes off in zone coverage, or if they're in pattern match and they actually declare and go with the man, then you could end up having late rub routes in coverage okay. downfield. And for Texas, they basically fell victim to that, that deep, uh, touchdown to, was it number 85? I believe yep. it is, right? Yep. Um, he basically runs, they, they have a stack formation. They run bunch, which bunch formations for Texas has been issued because it forces Texas to have to read and react to the route combinations rather than reroute those route combinations. And they ran a brilliant route where <laughs> the, um, the fullback or the tight end runs a seven route. And the wide receiver runs a, he runs basically a, a double a move. he runs a hitch and then a slant. And what that does is it confuses and distorts the the, 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 the zone pattern match coverage because at one point we're basically playing man coverage because we're matching up man. but then the way they ran the route, they he ran it toward the void in the zone once the safety, Went with his man to the outside, and there's no way really, unless you're just a veteran zone coverage playing defense to know how to pass that off, or to just stick with your man or or to play really snug coverage. And Texas doesn't play snug coverage when there's a bunch formation, and they had a bunch formation, which forces Texas to play off coverage. When they play off coverage, they got to pass off those routes in space, and that's how you get Texas. To declare and on, as long as you're running late downfield, uh, you know, route concepts or switch concepts, you can get Texas in that. And they did it a couple of times and got Texas downfield with some of those deep balls. That's how he ends up wide open in the zone. Like, hey, they're playing zone. How does he end up wide open in the zone? Well, because basically Texas ends up with a miscommunication, and it's not necessarily anybody's fault because one guy thinks they're declaring playing man, and the other guy said, We're playing zone.
0: And by the way, Aaron R., great point. TCU will be without D winners in the first half next week, targeting penalty today against Texas yeah. Tech. Uh, you're listening to On Texas Football Postgame. Texas beats Kansas State and Manhattan 34-27. Huge win for Steve Sarkeesian in the Texas program. We're talking a little bit, closing out tonight, a little bit about TCU. So here's an interesting, from a player standpoint, TCU great receivers. I I mean Davis kid is a freaking blur. Rod, you could run, and I think he's faster than you were. Okay, yeah, I think right. he's going to turn in four three <clears throat> flat at the combine. Wow. Uh, Tay Barber is an experienced, really good player. Um, they had they can go five deep at wide receiver. Jordan Hudson doesn't even get much run. He's a future draft pick. But what's interesting is there's no Deuce Vaughn out of the backfield the passing game next week. And while Mac, while Dugan is a good runner. Adrian Martinez has a, and I'm not going to say special. He has a unique ability to just avoid sacks. You know, yeah. I just thought they had him probably ten plus times tonight. I agree. Hugan's easier to sack than Martinez is, and there's no Deuce Vaughn and 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 Jalen Ford's probably like, whoo, no no Deuce Vaughn in the passing game next week. So. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think TCU has the best group of receivers Texas has played all season, including Alabama, if Quentin Johnson's healthy, because I agree with uh our, our person at Common that commented Quentin Johnson's a first round pick and he's the guy that goes up the draft boards when they start and out. Yeah. But um, how do you kind of see those differences in personnel?
1: Uh yeah, I'm with you. I think uh like their wide receivers are a problem because they got some guys who uh can hurt you vertically downfield, the and yes. They like Chunk yardish plays downfield. I was surprised actually watching film on TCU, <clears throat> and I'll do more breakdown this week. But uh man, Max Duggan looks downfield. That's what gets him in trouble a lot of the times. They're looking for chunk yardage plays downfield. Um, so for Texas, it's actually a good recipe for Texas because Texas, the, the thing that was hurting Texas, right? Texas least the least the country in pressures. But why the Texas still susceptible and vulnerable in the passing game was because a lot of teams are getting the quick game off against sexy, right? Texas is susceptible to slants to those quick in routes, five yards and in yep. uh, to you know, those angle routes by the running backs. How many times do we see that from Bama? You know, we see it from Deuce Vaughn in here um, from a quick post route or from a glance route on the RPO. Essentially these are quick game or versions of the quick game. So the pressure is uh, unable to get there where Texas has been really effective is keeping teams from hurting them deep downfield, right, with chunk yards, plays downfield. you got a couple of those in this game, and every now and then, they don't get home, and you can get those. Uh, but if they're going to try to get Texas with chunk yards, deep plays downfield, um, Texas has a really good chance to get home, especially if Max Duggan is, like you said, a lot more sackable uh, than a guy like A.J. Martinez. But the, the, the place that Texas is most vulnerable in the passing game is from zero to 19 yards in between the numbers it now that, that's right that, by the way that's the toughest throws to make in football by the way right. too um but that's where that's where texas is most vulnerable so i think pk has pretty much built the defense around all right that's the toughest throw to make that's a that's where that's a, that's where we're vulnerable that's the weak spot you got to be weak somewhere on defense so all year long teams have been able to get that against texas but I think for the most part, Texas has proven that they're not going to give up the run game. They're going to be strong in the run game. They're taking that away. And I think he's figured that the one spot they're going to be vulnerable is the inside breaking routes in that second level where the linebackers drop in coverage. They've been decent, but they haven't been great. Um, but he found a way even in this game to get the win. That's why you saw right. Remember that Malik Nose play yes. the big six route. that he got their voids inside Texas is uh, zone coverage right in the core y'all seen it man all all year long it's right there but not a lot of quarterbacks have the skill to take advantage of it max duggan does though max duggan has been really good and that's where tcu is going man they're going crossing routes right there that's a central nervous system right across those linebackers uh, right behind them across the face of the safeties a lot of crossing routes there and a lot of in breaking routes by the receivers on the outside that's going to be their bread and butter
0: I and it's three weeks in a row, Texas has faced a guy that started three years of Power Five football at the quarterback position. So plays well against Texas, too. Yeah, play well against Texas. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, so we got a few minutes left here uh, with Rod Babers. It's on Texas football post Uh Bobby Burton under the weather, not at game six. The Astros are all your World Series champions, by the way. Uh, Bobby's <laughs> under the weather. He'll be back next week. Um, huge win for Sark. Sarcle- putting a bow on this one, Rod. 34 27. Steve Sarkeesian gets a road win over a quality opponent, which he really did need at Texas. It, and he needed it now um, after the Tech game and then after Oklahoma State. And then you had the off week, and it was pretty negative after that game. So it was a it, – it went away. It was a must-win game if you want to have a chance to uh, stay in contention for the Big 12 Championship. But yeah. just to put a bow on it, what were your overall thoughts on the game, good and bad today, because it can't all be great, right? Uh, that's not That's not what we're in the business of. I guess just to put a bow on it, your thoughts overall and your thoughts on this team heading to TCU next week. Um, well, um, my biggest concern is
1: uh, Sark's inability to adjust in the second half. To, he's losing the battle of adjustments. Uh, he's still losing that battle, the chess match within the game. But his game plan and preparation has been fantastic. The bad news for Longhorn fans is that TCU has been the, already the best second-half team in the Big 12, one of the best in the country. Um, so if Sark wins the first half, uh, and continues this trend of losing the second half and not being able to score, we're going to lose against TCU. That's just the way it is. No question about it. Um, but I also, the concern of, on defense probably would be, you know, like I said, the pass defense, uh, especially the second level of that pass defense right behind the linebackers in between the safeties, that's still a concern. There were a lot of, uh, big plays made there. Uh, by, by uh, K-State today. So that's also a concern. That's something that Texas knows. They've been working on it too. And if I'm going to look at the offense, something that I guess would be concerned about is just making sure that you get your quarterback in a groove early. Uh, I think that Sark did a, you know, he was he, take, he took his shots early on, but I love when he breaks down the screen game and um, some of the short high percentage throws for Quinn Ewers gets him in a groove. you got so much talent there. You can, you know he can make some of those wild throws. It goes without saying, um, but I like him to be confident and I like him to be in a rhythm. And I think when he's in a rhythm, minute offense looks so much better. And he right. was in a he wasn't spectacular today, but he's in a rhythm, right? Like right? he, he was he was he he wasn't out of rhythm. He wasn't sporadic. He wasn't you know that that it didn't seem like he was you know out of you know it wasn't chaotic in the pocket. He didn't seem like he was something it seemed like he was confident in his throws Seemed like he was confident in the game plan came back to the sideline you saw him smiling having fun that's the key to me for 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 this offense B. B. John Robinson will always be on track and he can always get the offense back on track you don't have to worry about that I think for the offense to be functioning at its you know prime level at its most elite level you need Quinn Ewers to at least be like I said in a groove and yes. I think he was in a groove today.
0: And I'll tell you from my perspective, what's on the line next week. Um, I always tied in, like you guys know it, Inside Texas and guys that follow uh, on Texas football, I tie in football and recruiting a lot um, because it, it matters. Um, Texas is 6-3 now. They, have an, they had an opportunity against Bama to really grab early in the season to grab national headlines. Well, they have another chance this week. It, we're past the Georgia-Tennessee game. Alabama just lost again, right? I mean – So it looks like Georgia is on a collision course for a second national title in a row right now. So there's an opportunity this week for Texas to grab national headlines with a win. And they're going to have tons of prospects, 2023s, 2024s on campus. It should be a great home uh, field uh, Saturday at DKR. So Sark, not it doesn't always work out this way that you get that second opportunity to have a big win. And yes, it's not the A on the helmet in in, in the Alabama uniform, but you're facing a nine and O team that is right now going to head to Austin thinking they have a shot to be in the college football playoff. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of national attention on this game this week. And so Sark. Texas, the whole staff, they have a chance to really make a statement this week against TCU. And they have a chance to go from that seven and five, eight and four type of team to the one that gets enough confidence or so maybe where you can go nine and three and you can get to that Big 12 championship game. So there's a lot on the line. Um, again, you've been listening to the on Texas football post game. My name is Jerry Hamilton with Inside Texas uh, for Rod Babers. Um, we will talk to you again next week. Thank you very much, Rod. And uh, hook Orange, Texas gets that big win on the road, 34-27 in Manhattan.